September 9th, 2022, we're in Masechet Sanhedrin, if you count down in the widest of lines, it's eight lines down, and it's just a few words onto line, four words onto line, says the Gemara, and this passage is somewhat out of place. It's here, Maharsha explains for particular reasons, but for our purposes, it's going to be out of place, and only after it will we return to a conversation about Bil'am and his Kelalot and Berachot. But says the Gemara, Amale Ravale Rabba Bar Meri Ketib, the Pasuk says with regards to David and his son Shilomo, David has appointed in his lifetime that Shilomo be his successor, that he be anointed as a king, and uh, the servants, the um, bondsmen of David say to him, Yetev Elohim et Shem Shilomo Mishemecha Vigadel et Kiso Mikisacha. Uh, their statement to the king is that Shilomo, your son, his name and his chair, meaning his strength, should be greater than yours, David. That's almost a blasphemous message to give to the king, to say that someone, even his child, should be greater than him. Asks the Gemara, or asks one rabbi, Ravat, Rabba Barmeri, Orach ar'a lememrale lemalka is it orach ara? Is it derech Is it appropriate speech and etiquette to speak to the king in such a fashion? To talk even about the son, talk about anyone in a way that you're wishing that they be greater, grander, and stronger than the king. Amar le says the Gemara says the Gemara that Raba answered to Raba me'en ka'amrale. Me'en means just like, even though the words appear to be, and their explicit mention was greater. It's not what they meant. They meant that Shilomo should be just as great as you, David. Uh, so you come up to the, to the grandfather and the father at the Milah, and you say your child, your grandchild should be just as great as you. Just as great is a statement that's appropriate even to the king. If you don't argue that although the pasuk seems to say it should be gadol, greater than you, but it really means just as great, you'll have a problem with another pasuk in Sefer Shofetim in an altogether different context, but it has a similar reference, and the Gemara will suggest, Rabbah will suggest, it's inappropriate for us to even imagine that it actually suggests someone should be or is greater than the other. Who are we referring to? Tevorach minashim ya'el the Pasuk describes, this Pasuk describes Ya'el. Uh, Ya'el, of course, is the individual. This is the Shirat Devorah. She's singing a song after victory, and she's praising Ya'el. Ya'el was a woman who killed Sisra, who was the general who was giving pain and difficulty to Am Yisrael at that time. But the particulars, the specific in the Pasuk that's difficult for Rabbah are that it says, Minashim Ba'ohel Tevorah, which seems to suggest that she should be blessed in a greater way, a better fashion than Nashim Ba'ohil. Who's Nashim Ba'ohil that we're saying Ya'el is greater than in terms of her blessing? Nashim Ba'ohil Man Ninhu, who are the Nashim Ba'ohil? Sarah Rivka Rachel Vele'ah, Orach Ar'a Lememar Hache, 
אלא מעין כאמר. החנמה מעין כאמר. The suggestion goes as follows. First things first. Who's נשים באוהל? It's a reference to the אימהות, את שרה, רבקה, רחל לאה. Who said that they're the נשים באוהל? רשי, on the left hand side, three lines from the top, gives the פסוקים that suggest this. He says, on the one hand, the פסוק says, ויביאה יצחק האוהלה שרה אמו. It's bringing Rivka into the ohel of his mother Sarah, which Rivka then takes over. We're associating the two of them with the ohel. And Rachel and Leah, in the circumstance where their father comes to search their ohalim, the Pasuk says, which means to say the ohel, the tent, is oftentimes associated in our Torah with the imahot. Of course, there are all sorts of musarim that are attached to that, but for our purposes, that's nashim ba'ohel. The Pasuk in turn says, Devora Hanivia is expressing about Ya'el. Tevorach, she should be blessed, min nashim ba'oel, in a greater way than Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah, Orach, Arah, is it derech eretz to talk like that? Rather suggests Rabbah, it's me'en, she's saying she should be blessed as much as our matriarchs. In turn, says Rabbah, that's what the pasuk meant with the yetev, when we're talking about the greatness, the goodness that's going to be to Shilomom, doesn't mean actually greater than David, it means commensurate, it means about the same amount. That's the first approach in the Gemara. Foundational, not really. Interpretive, absolutely. Says the Gemara, here's a foundational statement. Here's a Musar that you can take away from this. The other side of the coin. This approach that we just set forth of Rabbah Bar Meri, that the statement by David and Shilomo and the servants and the, uh, who, who said that he should be greater didn't actually mean greater. It's Peliga. The word Peleg in Aramaic, of course, means to be split. So this is split from, this disagrees with the following statement of Rav Yosef Bar Choni. Here's a, a iconic line, De Amar Rav Yosef Bar Choni, Bakol, at all and about all, Adam mitkane. We have a tendency to be jealous. We have a ten- tendency to be jealous of all people, and we have a jealousy which is portrayed by us to other people. Chutz, except for we don't have that innate, inherent tendency when it comes to our children, more specifically our sons and our students. Why not? Well, our sons, our children, and our students, we see to a certain extent, naturally, our continuity, our success through and in them, and as a result, to be able to see their success means that I see my own success. I don't have a jealousy. I want them to be greater than I ever was because in the back of my mind, even though I'm allowing for independence and I'm separating and detached from them, I'm nonetheless feeling some sort of connectedness and involvement in their continued success. But then says the Gemara, where do you learn that Beno, aside from psychology, looking for sources for Pesukim, wherein I see such a concept that Beno and Talmido, there's no kin'ah, there's no jealousy when they are more successful than the father, than the rabbi. Beno, Mishelomo, we learned that concept from Shelomo, the Pasuk that we just uh, learned beforehand. So instead of reading it as Me'en, just like Shelomo should be just as good, just as great, just as successful as David, no, it really means more. Is that Absolutely. If it was about another king, inappropriate, it's about his son, 
נכון? כל האדם מתקנא חוץ מבנו. ותלמידו, and you should know, we learn this about the student from one of two sources. Either it's from the request which was granted from Elisha to his teacher Eliyahu. And he turns to Eliyahu and he says, Eliyahu says, request almost anything of me. And he says, He requests that I get double of your spirit, double of your capacity, which is pretty much granted by Eliyahu to Elisha. He grants that inappropriate, wrongful request, inappropriate grant. No. Alternatively, it's from the Pesukim in Parashat Pinehas, which describe the appointment of Yehoshua. The Pasuk says that God tells Moshe, You should rest your hand on him. Pasuk then describes what Moshe actually does, and it says, Instead of just placing one hand, as Rashi over here, Rashi in his commentary to the Torah points out, he puts both of his hands upon him. How could Moshe, why would Moshe be doing that? Because there's no jealousy, there's no competition. It's his student, that natural competitive streak that we have, that everyone has as human beings in this world, is generally speaking or always, if appropriately engaged, it, it not, it's, it's absent in relationships between parent and child and a mentor and student. Okay, that's what we have with regards to this. Um, these few moments in the Gemara, which were a digression. Back to Bil'am. Vayasem davar befi Bil'am. Back to the, being Doresh the Pesukim. So the Pasuk says that God places davar something, doesn't say per se, dibur, speech, it says something, davar is a thing. Parenthetically, the word davar means a thing, and it shares the same shoresh as dibur, speech, because you read Bereshit Perek Aleph, and you'll notice that all of things, all of reality in this world came about through speech. Speech has a way. God's speech brings forth reality and existence. As a result, when we refer to things, we refer to them as Speaking things, davar in Hebrew, that's the language. Anyway, vayasim davar befi bil'am, the derasha is he didn't per se put speech, he puts a thing. What thing is he putting in the mouth of bil'am? Bil'ezer omer malach, he places upon the mouth, not in a physical way, but upon the mouth of bil'am, an angel, a ministering angel who's going to determine what words actually come out. It's an interesting suggestion here in Rabili Ezer. It means HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a bit removed from the circumstance, but he has his angel handling it, that Bil'am is not cursing, but rather blessing. Rabbi Onatan Amar Haka, Rabbi Onatan alternatively says it's a hook. I don't think this is literal either, but I think the Davar in context is a reference to and put his angel per se, but he kind of has Bil'am on a hook. He's now hooked him in like a fish, like a puppet of sorts. Amar Bion Ohanan mi birkato shel Rasha atalamed ma haya or me haya bilibo. You can learn from the blessings that came out of the mouth of Bil'am, ultimately speaking. What was his intention? The Pasuk says that anything he intended to curse turned into a blessing. Our assumption, says Rabbi Ohanan, is that the blessing is in some way not symmetrical, but the opposite, it's the foil of the intended curse. So if he planned on saying you should be terrible, he said you should be great. Planned on saying you should be poor, he said you should be rich. If he planned on saying you should be small, he said you should be great. Right? In other words, in each of those circumstances, it's the flip side. He says, so let's look at the blessings, the berachot, and then understand A, what the beracha means, and B, what Bil'am was trying to accomplish. Bikesh Lomar, on the one hand, apparently, Bil'am wanted to say, they shouldn't have in the present or in the future places to congregate 
for prayer, batei knesiot, places to congregate for Talmud Torah, batei midrashot. As a result, what are the words that come out of his mouth? Matobu o halecha Yaakov. And the derasha of the hachamim, the targum Yonatan ben Uziel al HaTorah is matobu o halecha. That o halecha that's referred to in the pasuk, much as the hachamim see that by Yaakov, his ishtam yoshev o halim, they envision the ohel as being ohel of bet midrash, ohel of bet Knesset. So the words that come out are, uh, look at how great your ohalim. Of course, the alternative way of reading this is the actual place where they're living. That's ohalecha. We sing it at a wedding, not because we're talking about the bate midrash and the bate knesiot, but because of the home that they're going to establish. It's a blessing that's appropriate for building a home. But the Gemara has a derasha with regards to this, that he's referring to the bate midrashot, bate knesiot. He wanted to do away with them. Instead, the words that come out are, how great are they? Lo alehem. He wanted that they shouldn't have the presence, the indwelling of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What does he as a result say? What's the biracha flip side when his words are, are flipped? Umishkenotecha Yisrael. Mishkenotecha milashon mishkan v'shachanti betocham. The Pasuk says in Shemot Perekafet, beginning of Parashat Terumah, v'shachanti betocham. By the mishkan is a reference to God's dwelling. We sometimes forget that. At least I do. The word mishkan doesn't just mean the place where you hang out. It means the place of Shekhinah, that's what the word means, Mishkenotecha Yisrael, although in context it seems like it's referring to the dwelling places of the people, the derashah of the rabbis over here is, that's a reference to the Shekhinah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Lotehem Malchutan Nimshechet, he wanted to make certain that their kingship, their monarchy won't extend. What did he instead say? Kinehalim Nitayu, it should be like expanding and stretching uh, streams and rivers. Well, so that means it should only continue. He wanted to cut it off. He he speaks instead that they should be long and expansive. Uh, he wanted to make certain that they won't have sustenance with regards to zetin and keramim. Zetim are what olives, keramim are vineyards. Kiganot ale nahar. He instead says that they should have uh, gardens on the side of rivers. han nodef. Uh, he wanted to uh, make certain that they wouldn't have um, a, a breath that, uh, that has a certain stench to it, says Rashi, uh, a, a stench of mitzvot. Okay, so he's referring to in some way or fashion. They shouldn't be involved in mitzvot with that uh, bre- on, their, on their breath. It should be so much a part of them. Instead, he says, ke'aholim nata Adonai, and morva aholot, a pasuk is referring to elsewhere, aholot is a type of, uh, of herb, a type of smell, a type of something that brings forth smell. So he talks about good smells instead. Lo he says he he willed, he wanted Bil'am did that we wouldn't have strong kings, kings who had literally have a strong back, a high uh, posture, a, a, a straight ability. Instead, he speaks about cedar trees on the side of water. Cedar trees are strong and built tall and high. All right, so even if they have an extended monarchy, even if it's a strength, but at least they shouldn't have succession when you have one after the next. There's a certain strength to the, to the nation that they have a continuity in leadership. And as a result, instead, he says, he says that the water should flow from the pail. If the pail is filled with water and then water is flowing out of it, it means that something is extending from another. It's not falling from the heavens, it's falling from the pail. The pail is the first king, king and then the water that flows is the next king, so it's directly foiled his, his intended kilala to beracha. Lo malchutan sholetet ba'umot. 
wants to make certain that their, their, their strength, their monarchy, won't have control of other nations. What does he say instead? And the descendants will be over many grand and great waters, meaning all the nations. He wanted perhaps as well, Bil'am, that they shouldn't have a fierceness, a strength, and maybe not, forget about the, the posture and the ability, but they shouldn't have a extended strength in the uh, physical and practical, real, realistic sense. The Pasuk says that they should Viyarem, Rashi says, means it should have a certain strength. Me'agag Malkod, that means that they should have a strength of Melucha. Lotehe emat Malchutan, there shouldn't be any fear of their kingship, of their monarchy. What does he instead say? Vetinase Malchuto, the Malchut should be rising above. All right, each one of these are the words of Bil'am and us understanding, Rabbi Yohanan portraying for us what Bil'am actually wanted to do. Concludes the Gemara on this point. Amar bi Ababar Kahana Kulam You should know that although in the short run each of those was fulfilled and we averted the Kilala of Bil'am, we had strong kingship and we had the ability to have Shekhinah and so on and so forth. All of them, ultimately speaking, were reversed. Hutz, except for Mibatek Nesiot, Ubaten Midrashot, except for the ever presence of synagogues and study halls. It's an amazing statement. It means that we lost the ability to extend the Berachav, all those. We had a run, but we didn't. We don't have kingship any longer. We certainly don't have any of those blessings with regards to kingship. What have we extended, says Rashi? Shelo Yifsiku Mi Yisrael Le'olam, the blessing that Mato that we should have batem drashot is in a promise which is existentially relevant to Am Yisrael. We cannot and will not endure without the presence of batem knesiot and batem drashot. Who said that those were the ones that continued and the others didn't? The pasuk says that God took the curse and he turned it into a blessing. That's not true, he took the curses. Bilam, 42 sacrifices with Balak, all these attempted curses, and God turned them all into blessings. Why does it say the curse into a blessing? It was only one that was enduring. There was only one that you'll say was an everlasting biracha. What was that? The biracha bateh knesiot, bateh midrashot is the suggestion. All right, says the Gemara onward, Amar Rabbi Shemuel bar Nachmeni, Amar Rabbi Yonatan, my dikhtif. What does it mean when the Pasuk says in Mishle, Ne'emanim pitz'e ohev v'na'atarot neshikot soneh? What does it mean that there's a certain dependency you can have upon the bruises that you get from a, someone who loves you or someone who intends love? But na'atarot, Rashi says, milashon atar. Atar is a utensil that's used in the field to turn up the ground. So the flip, the opposite is true. In other words, you can't depend upon nishikot, the kisses of a, of a hater, uh, which means to say to a certain extent there's something positive about the bruises that come from an ohev uh, versus when you contrast it to the kisses which come from a sone. What does it mean? What's it referring to? Toba kilala shikilela hayah shiloni et Israel if you look at Ahiyah Shiloni, who ostensibly is an Ohev, but he was Mikalel, he spoke wrongfully about Am Yisrael, that's something inherent in his wrong speech, in his actual Kilala, in his curse, that was a blessing in disguise, versus the actual Berachot which Bil'am spoke. 
How so? Berachot of Bilam, we love those, we care about those. Those were not so great. The better ones were the curses of Ahiyah Hashiloni. Explains the Gemara, Ahiyah Hashiloni kilelet Yisrael bakane. Ahiyah Hashiloni, when he talks about Am Yisrael, he likens them to a reed. What's a reed? Well, if you've ever seen, I don't know, a lake of some sort or a stream, there are those reeds, those shoots that come out of them. And he says about Am Yisrael, Yisrael hakane bamain. He says that you should be Am Yisrael, you should be struck by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, by God, like a reed in the water. Look at a reed in the water. So first and foremost, he says, well, what was his intention? His intention was, Ahiyashiloni says, you as a nation, we as a nation, I'll tell you what you're like. God's going to strike you and you'll be like that reed in the water. Ever see a reed in the water after a storm? After a storm, the first thing to go are those, those pliable, those, those reeds in the water. They get uprooted and you find it was implanted right in front of your home, right in front of the dock over here. But you see it now on the other side of the lake. It was uprooted. It's the first thing to quickly go because it doesn't have a strength in terms of its uh, a placement in the ground. It's easily uprooted. However, look at what it does have. It's omed b'makom b'mayim, giz'om mahalif, its status, its, its stationary st- um, uh, placement, will flip shorashav merubim. It has many, many um, uh, roots. V'afilu kol rochot ba'olam ba'ot v'noshvot bo. And even if you have all the winds, a maelstrom that attacks it, en mizizot otomim komo, it's still going to be in that lake. It's still going to be there. It might be on the other side. It might be down the stream, up the river. But ultimately speaking, it's still there. And then it'll find a new place. That, of course, is a reference to Am Yisrael. We might be uprooted. We might be attacked. We might be smothered and destroyed. But ultimately speaking, you'll find us on the other side of the river. We have a durability. Once the maelstrom, once the tornado, once the winds uh, subside, it now is standing up in its new place, but it's still there. So the curse of Ahiyah HaShiloni, that we're like the Kaneh, Kadosh Baruch Hu will strike us like the Kaneh, there's a silver lining. What about Bil'am? Bil'am, his blessing, has the opposite of Al-Bil'am HaRasha, Berechan Be'erez. He likened us to a cedar tree. Think about an e cedar tree. Cedar tree doesn't grow next to water, and as a result, it doesn't have the con- c- continuous uh, nourishment and continuity. It doesn't have either many uh, roots. It's uprooted, it takes a while, but once a strength of the Gemara will say a southern wind comes and attacks it, it falls down and it's never to be replaced from its own roots, from its own being. Ma muatin has very few roots, and you can't uproot it and replant it. It appears to be very strong because all the winds in the world can't knock it down. 
However, when the southern wind comes and blows up against the miyad and uh, immediately it knocks it down, and lastly says the Gemara, not only that, you should know that when it comes to the reed, the one that's easily transplantable, the one that gets uprooted, we have not only a continuity with regards to its physical nature, but it's got a spiritual nature to it as well, in as much as it's used historically to write Sefer Torah, Nevi'im and Ketubim with it. Very briefly, let me tell you, there happens to be an Aesop fable that's connected probably drawn from our Gemara. It's the difference between cedar trees and reeds. In, in life, we have this vision of ourselves, not only as a nation, but as individuals. The stronger we build ourselves, the more durable, the more, the more constant we'll ha- consistency we'll have. Alternatively, sometimes it's about having a certain flexibility. The flexibility of the Kane, which you look at and you say, weakling. You look at it and you say, it doesn't have any inner strength. Look at that guy, that guy's just pushed over. Alternatively, but he just picks himself back up. Whereas when you look at the person who's built himself like the Ed is, once he's knocked down, it takes a lot. Once he's knocked down, there's no way of him dusting himself off and getting back up. Lastly, the Gemara mentions the continuity of the Kane with regards to Sefer Torah, Nevi'im and Ketubim. Ramar Bimoshe Yisrael in Yore De Asiman Resh Ayin Aleph mentions that Yesh Omrim, based on this Gemara, that a Sefer Torah is supposed to be written specifically with a quill which is made of a Kane from a reed. It's a Yesh Omrim. It's based on this Gemara. The Minhag, certainly amongst Ashkenazim, has not been that way. They've written it with Notzot, Shel Oftahor. They've taken feathers and quills from, from kosher birds. Svaradim, Temanim, Yemenites specifically have attempted over the course of time to use a Kane. The problem with a Kane, with a reed branch, is that it, generally speaking, scratches the Klaf, and that's not the objective. So instead, especially today, most Sofrim use um, metal uh, um, uh, items in order to write with because it has less of a way of scratching. But the Gemara, in the traditional sense, as Ramah speaks out in Siman Resh Ayin Aleph, seems to suggest the Kane as being, not the ideal, but the most traditional way of writing the Sefer Torah. Baruch Adonai Amen ve